Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special or different episode of the Gagan Pod today as we dissect... What's going on in the football world amongst these very interesting times in the world we're living in, but also try to have a bit of fun still and look at uh, what's going on in the world of football as we cope with the outbreak of coronavirus. David Wiener with you, and I'll be joined shortly by Michael Bridges. We are not at the Optisports Studios, so let's see how we go. Let's get started. Bridgie. Have I got you? Dave, you most certainly have. This is fantastic. Oh, very good. We're making strides. We might never have to go into work ever again. I can tell you we aren't, as I said, at the Optus Sports Studios, which uh, Optus Sport has tried to get ahead of the game and flatten the curve and try and play its role in as Australia tries not to spread the coronavirus. And this podcast is coming to you from basically my study at home. And where are you, Bridgie? <laughs> Mate, I'm actually sat in my um, games room because it's got the best internet connection here because I set it all up for my boy so he can play his online gaming and I'm just having a little bit of a reminisce. It's actually like the Optus Studio, mate. I've got a few of the old shirts on the wall hanging up here so I can have a bit of a reminiscence session from the teams I've played for and against and um, the rest of the room is an absolute pigsty because my lad has got... DVDs, computer games, and controllers everywhere. So he'll be getting wrong when he gets in from school. Well, I can't say mine is as glamorous. Mine is basically a nook, and I can't guarantee I'm not in my pyjamas. So we'll leave that one up to uh, the listeners to decide or otherwise. But what we'll do is we're going to give it our very best shot. And, I don't know, and I'm not going to even ask what, what, what you're wearing, Bridget, because we just don't need that imagery at this hour of the, hour of the day. No, not unless it goes out over the watershed hour. So let's crack on. <laughs> <laughs> but jokes aside, we have a lot to talk about because it was it was a really significant night overnight, uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday in Australia as UEFA convened, CONMEBOL in South America convened, FIFA have been involved as well, and the football calendar has become a little bit clearer in a best-case scenario where it's been decided to postpone the Euros until 2021, the European summer of 2021, uh, June 12, Australian Eastern Daylight Time to July 12. Same with the Copper America, which the Socceroos, of course, have been invited to. We don't know how that will hold up in terms of 12 months' time. And that means that what UEFA are going to try is to complete the domestic seasons of club football and their Champions League and the Europa League by June 30. And that also means that there'll be question marks over qualification for the Champions League next year because that's slated to start on June 23. That will be pushed back. Um, And the FIFA Club World Cup, the expanded FIFA Club World Cup in China that was meant to be played in 2021 has now been moved by FIFA to accommodate the Euros and the Copa America. A lot to digest in a best case scenario. Bridgie, what was your reaction when you woke up and saw what UEFA had decided overnight? Um, I wasn't surprised, Dave, to be honest. I think the the Euros had to be the competition that was going to get 
um, put back a year if if they were going to do anything, and uh, especially with what is going on at the moment with the epicenter of the coronavirus hitting Europe and the competition being around several different countries in that area, mate. The travel would have been it would be chaotic. The um, infrastructure, what they would have to do. So that's a that is a, a sensible decision, um, and obviously. They've, they've thought about that long and hard, and, and that's what's had the knock-on effect to every other competition, um, international competition, in the summer. So I think the you know, the, the common sense has prevailed, mate. There's bigger things going on in the world at this moment in time that the governments are trying to handle, and they're trying to give themselves a little bit of breathing space as well um, because I think most players and fans and definitely the owners of the football clubs that are at club level want to get this season finished in the correct manner. And, you know, the, the FA chief executive, Mark Bullingham, has also said, you know, we want to come together and rally to help the coronavirus crisis. And in the same token, once it starts to show a sign of um, that we are winning the war, they, they want to get the leagues finished. And I think that that period between the, the June, so at the end of, sorry, May and June, where the Euro should have been, that, that's a huge window of opportunity to, to get the league finish now around the world um, and especially in the European market which I think is a, is a, is a great idea because it still gives you the July um, cooling down period before the players need to come back for pre, pre-season and I, I just think common sense has prevailed here mate and that it gives them the opportunity because I was looking at the fixtures Dave at Christmas and January which has been my you know ever since I played in England that's the one thing as a young child you look forward to most is December, January, because there's so many games in that period, and it's it, your your actual childhood is the Christmas coldness, but also going to the games with family and friends to watch so many, and the, you know they're on every other day. So I look at the December period, and then I look at January and February, where there's 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 lesser games going on in that period. In theory, if there's no cup competitions, the the leagues and especially the Premier League can squeeze the remainder of the fixtures in given that the coronavirus has subsided and squeeze them games in and the players and the fans would be more than happy as well as the owners to get it done and play nine to ten games in that month. Mm. So like there's a possibility in the best case scenario if society is able to go back and do these types of activities that we'd be looking at an absolute um, cluster of games. There'd be Premier League games at the same time as Champions League games midweek. There could be Champions League games on the weekend at the same time as league fixtures with clubs not clashing. Um, all these possibilities are going to have to be discussed. Before we um, touch on why it is so imperative that this season is closed off, I think what you touched on on bigger things to fry, I think that's a really important point to make. Um, in light of all of this, that we're talking about football and it's all very important and dear to us and very serious, but clearly the the health and safety of, of the planet uh, trumps all of this. And I thought UEFA President Alexander Seferin really got on the front foot with what he said last night. We said it is at times like these that the football community needs to show responsibility, unity, solidarity and altruism. And for once we saw an, a front foot decision made by an organisation going, we're not going to push the limits here we actually can't and we need to actually realize that the the, you know the movement of people across 12 cities first and foremost is not going to be doing anyone any favors um so let's put it off for a year and let's show that we can um we can take responsibility the offshoot of that being it does open the door as you said to the calendar to have a bit more flexibility oh yeah without a shadow of a doubt dave and i mean the, the, the logistics of this would have been hard enough to handle just in one country for the Euros, 
let alone playing it all over Europe. So, um, yeah, like I say, it, it's been it, common sense has prevailed. And let's just hope that, you know, governments around the world and people do get on board and take into consideration why we are doing these lockout laws and things. It's for the it's for the bigger picture of, of global health. And football becomes part of that chamber under the sport that I think gives everybody a relief from their work. People love sport. It doesn't matter what sport they follow. I think the knock-on effect from, from what's happened here, sport, sport plays a major part in people's lives regardless of whatever environment you are in. It brings you know togetherness, it brings joy, it brings sadness. Um, but what, what's happening now with the whole of sport around the world getting locked out, I think we're, and people having to stay home and you know we haven't got that far in this country yet in Australia, but we've seen things in Italy and France with the lockdown laws having to go back to entertain themselves from balconies and things like that. It's, it's um, kind of going back to the old, the olden days. Um, I was speaking to my mother, you know, in, in the war when they had the, you know, they had the rationing and they were trying to all help each other out and find ways to get the community spirits back together when things were going on. The knock-on effect from this, um, especially in Australia, I feel with kids not being able to play their love sport at this moment in time, especially with the FFA announcing that, there was going to be no football competitions um, at senior level and grassroots. Kids are going to become housebound. Um, we're either going to create computer geniuses or computer monsters um, by playing the internet games all the time. So we're trying to find a way to, to keep kids entertained or keep them doing things when they're going to be housebound or they're not going to be able to do their sports with their friends. And it's been really, really good to see some of the, the players that are going through that that situation at the moment, like Sergio Ramos, um, William of Chelsea, um, they're posting things on social media about what they, they can do um, when you get housebound. And I just think it's that we're going to come up with ideas that, like we are doing now, Dave, talking on a, on a podcast from our rooms, um, about novelty ideas of the technology that we have not to make kids and, and parents end up having men, mental health problems after these lockdown laws, mate. So it's a Again, there's, there's going to be a lot of knock-on effects from this, but it's, it's something that we've all got to do and try and come to terms with um, for, the, for the, you know, the good of God. Yeah, we say sport's a triviality and we're lucky to work in sport. Um, but ultimately, when it's not there, um, you, you feel the massive void that it leaves in your life, both as a social aspect, but also a, a physical health and mental health yeah. aspect too. So there's a lot for a lot of different sects and societies and and organisations to come to terms with over the next little while. And um, we'll touch on Australia in, in a moment because that, that's a key part of this discussion. But back to the uh, overnight developments, um, the June 30 deadline is an interesting one because, as, as you t- touched on earlier, there is a massive desire for closure. You look at where it's going to where, where li- – Liverpool and, you know, what Alan Shearer said the other day, that they shouldn't get the title if the season's not finished. Leeds – uh, leading the the championship, dreaming of a promotion, but what happens if that doesn't finish? It's absolutely critical that there is closure so that legal minefields, speculation, what ifs, clauses in contracts, all of those are not left up in the air. But, 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 that's in the best case scenario, Bridgie. We're still treading water a little bit. April 4 is when the leagues are postponed to right now. But there's still a lot of uncertainty still. There is, there is huge uncertainty there because the I think what the government and everybody are looking at is that can you, they're trying to slow down the, the curve um, of people getting the, the virus itself. So until you until we actually see that on a on a 
on a worldwide basis or in the countries that need to play the games, then it's inevitable that it will could go on longer and delayed. And that's why I'm saying the 4th of April is, is a is it a target and a goal that they have set themselves? Is it realistic? I hope it is. Let's let's hope we can we can get there. If it does go on a few more weeks longer till the end of April, that still gives May and June. And what I'm saying to you is, if you can play nine games in December, there's no reason you couldn't play 18 games in the two months. And the players, uh, the owners, uh, and like you say, even if it is behind closed doors, we would like to see fans come back and watch their matches. But if it's not, and it is to get the games finished so that there is clarity there is closure, there is promotion, there is relegation, there is champions. I think everybody will play their part to get to that end, end light because there's too many um, stones that are going to be unturned, mate. You know, if if Karen Brady was the first one from West Ham to come out and say, let's just close it now, call it a null and void, well, you would say that because as a West Ham owner, the amount of money that you are going to lose if you get relegated and the season continues is substantial. So... It's been interesting to see the dynamics of where owners and managers have said what they wanted to say, depending on where their league sits and where their league position sits. And I just look at the heart of Midlothian owner in the Scottish Premier League as well. She was saying that if the Scottish Premier League doesn't go ahead and fulfil its obligations for a 38-game season, she will be taking legal action against the Scottish Premier League if they get relegated. So there is clauses in these contracts that people will go and be thoroughly going through with a comb at this moment in time because there is so much money at stake. Um, yeah. and, I, and that's why I think if everybody, if we do get the window of opportunity in football, people will take that and do everything possible as long as the players' welfare and staff welfare are seen in the best interest. But some clubs, Dave, won't have that luxury in the lower divisions to wait until the end of April or... Tra- they want to try and get the season finished as well. But without fans, it's going to be so tough. And this is where the Premier League and the substantial amount of money that they have are going to have to help out these lower clubs and also the bigger clubs around Europe for their lower teams. So many interesting points off that. And the, even though we say sport is a triviality and, and what is football without fans, ultimately there is so much money involved here that ultimately relegation, you know, what if Sheffield United, you know, when we, if we finish the season, end up in the Champions League, you know, what's the opportunity cost of them missing out on, on that moment? But you are so right about the other aspects of it. Barnett in, in the, in the non-league, non-league club in, in England has just basically um, had to let go 60 non-playing or, or non-essential staff because they can't afford it. Um, a lot of the trickle-down of the major continental competitions like the Euros is UEFA distributes money to the associations. They're not going to get that now. So the financial aspect is massive. And I think it was it was Peterborough owner, um, Darren McAnthony, who said it would be catastrophic for these clubs financially if the season doesn't finish. Do you think we need to be talking about the Premier League supporting the lower league clubs and so on? Because the Premier League does have a kitty. The Premier League has, has you know, it, it's, it's got a huge television kitty acquired over the years. Do you think that needs to happen for the, for the greater good of the game? Because there's going to be a lot of people that do it tough, probably just to the left of the main industry that we see with the players and, 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 and the people that are front and centre. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, Dave. You've just mentioned Barnett. And, you know, they're losing around 100000 a month. Um, the parachute payments are going to end this season, along with the academy funding. So they're, they're going into oblivion. And the last thing that football needs is these lower teams not being able to maintain themselves and manage themselves for 
that period of time they're having to make layoffs and it just it's just a spiral you might see another bury they've already been wiped out of the English football league sadly um, and that's why there was only going to be one club relegated from division 2 this season because they've already filled that that spot out of the football league so the When when you talk about a club in Barnet losing a hundred grand a month, there's players in the Premier League earning three hundred grand a week. And if you're telling me that the Premier League don't have a, a kitty, I, I reckon they would be sitting on a kitty of about one point two billion to one point five billion <laughs> minimum. And I think that's going to be that was the void that they were talking about filling if there is if this coronavirus was to hit substantially. So. When there's clubs like that, there's got to be something that the Premier League can do, or clubs in general. Um, I'm not saying players take wage cuts or anything like that, but if it if it came to that and it was to save the the governing bodies, I think the players that are have grown up in them countries, um, English based players would help the Premier League. I think they're they're players from the Spanish league that have grown up and developed their career there. They would be willing to help out, but I think the Premier League have got to take a real big stance and look at this and think wow if we start losing all these teams from the lower divisions there isn't there's no pyramid scheme there's no pathway then and the the amount of money we're talking about for one club is is actually laughable when you consider that players are earning three times that a week um, mm-hmm. and you're talking about a club going to relegation um, into oblivion so the premier league there's a lot to handle at this moment in time the obviously the coronavirus is at the forefront of it dave you know they will be going through or when can the fixtures get done what clubs need helping out when can we save them because if they don't this is just going to spiral out of control mate and you might even just i wouldn't be surprised that you might see 10 or 20 teams drop out of football league if if this is the way it continues to go yeah football clubs in the lower tiers of england it's nowhere near as glamorous as the ones we see week in week out and yeah. they they run a very fine line when it comes to their business model and not getting crowds while you're Treading water, waiting to see when it returns, is is a pretty precarious stuff. The human cost is something that we're going to have to consider. You know, even look at the four hundred odd staff that are preparing for the Euros this European summer. That now, what do they do? Do they get reinstated in a year? Do they not? Do they get paid? Do they get not? But these are issues that um, all um, economies and all parts of all parts of the world are now dealing with. Football is is not immune from that um, at all. I just want to put your Leeds hat on for a sec, Bridgie, because we've talked about, um, you know, trying to get closure by June 30 and why. But we have no idea as a society what's going to happen uh, with this coronavirus. Are we going to be able to get back by May? We we don't know. Um, From your point of view, as you're waiting and sweating and, and, and clinging on to this hope of promotion, can you take us through the mind of a of someone in in, in 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 your position and and what you would like to see happen if heaven forbid we can't resume i mean Lee, no doubt the players the the staff the fans will be sweating at Leeds united because it's been so long to get back to the premier league after 16 years of hurt and sadly i i, I went through that that peak when we made the uefa semi-finals we got the champions league semi-finals we we're top at Christmas. Uh, we're riding the wave of success. And then we hit financial strains. Money was spent that we didn't know was getting spent. And we missed out on Champions League. So we went into a spiral where we went through so many managers, so many players. And, you know, relegation was was imminent. So it's a completely different scenario to what is going on at this moment. Time leads are once again on the up. And Bielsa 
and the players have gone on this incredible run to see them top of the league. So, yes, the <laughs> if anybody wants to get this done, it's, it's Andre, the owner, to get the seasons finished and the games finished. And they will probably go above and beyond to try and make that happen as long as, like I say, the, the virus and the, the war against that has settled down. So as a player, you will just think, and what, what, what we've been through over the last few years, the hard work and effort that you have put in to be blindsided by this. And I, I, this is why I feel for Liverpool as well, Dave. Um, I put my Liverpool hat on even though I was never there. But again, waiting for that Premier League title. It's, it's, it's ironic to think that this virus is, could, have, could affect that, being crowned champions. The emotions are running high and everybody's going through what ifs, what buts. Nobody has ever been in this situation before. This is new to everybody in the world um, on a global scale. It's it's catastrophic. So there's nobody with the right answer. We're going to have to go through certain avenues and we're going to make right decisions. We're going to make wrong decisions and we're going to learn from that. that that's, the, that's the hardest part of this, mate, because nobody has the answers. So the, the, only, the only flip side, if I can see, let's say the league doesn't finish and it gets abandoned, there was talk of potentially, I think it came from Germany, there was a, somebody come up with the, the concept and the idea that the league and the Bundesliga, as it stands, there's a few teams fighting for the top spot, so anybody could really win it. So don't crown champions. Don't have any relegation, but let the two teams from each division come up that are in one and two and have a bigger league or a bigger season the following year with more relegations, uh, more teams getting relegated the following year. Now, that's all good and well, but when you are 25 points clear, um, and I mean, that would suit Leeds down to the ground because they would get promoted then. But as a Liverpool fan, you're so many points clear, you're going to fight that right till the end to say, hang on a minute, we want to be crowned as champions. So that there is so many ifs and buts. And if there's no relegation teams in the playoffs in the divisions below, they're going to put up an argument. So again, I don't know how this can be resolved without finishing the seasons correctly, however long that takes. Um, but with my Leeds hat on, I say, you know, just do it now. Just let them be promoted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the one point. It's the same as Liverpool's 25. Um, but the, by the way, whilst the UEFA has put June 30 as a deadline to wrap up the seasons, clearly so they can put in nominations for the next season's Champions League and Europa League and so on, it is up to the individual domestic competitions to decide that resolution. Juventus, Lazio, Inter Milan being tight is a very different scenario to Liverpool being 25 points clear to Real Madrid and Barcelona being neck and neck. So the resolution in each country might be different. You might get a champion of the Premier League, but you might not get a champion of Serie A. So um, I think only time will tell. If we talk any more about that, we are merely speculating because we don't know uh, where the coronavirus will turn and, over the and next again, again, Dave, coming back to, to that scenario, let's say the season goes on a lot longer than anticipated this year into June or even July or August, it gets finished. Let's just say, hypothetically, in the worst-case scenario, they don't cancel them leagues and it goes on longer. The, the knock-on effect for the season after, and I'm just talking about the English game, there could be a way to get rid of the League Cup next season and the FA Cup and the domestic cups. So everything is just based around the league and the Champions League if they, if they decide to go ahead and, and do so. And all the clubs in the lower divisions, again, would be upset by this because some teams go on a great cup run and could potentially make um, a million to two million, depending on how far they go. Um, and what team they get. 
And again, that's where the Premier League and the bigger clubs could potentially say, well, if we get rid of domestic competitions next year, the season is starting later. We can make up with games at weekends and in between the midweeks for the following season. So they could get back on track within one year by doing that. But what they would have to do then again is just say to every team in the lower divisions, here's an amount of money. You could get knocked out in the first round and get 10,000. But here is a substantial amount of money to fill that void yet again so we can get back to the leagues being on track and have a year of uncertainty. But the following season, everything is back on track. So speaking of money, uh, that is one pretty innovative and, and improvised way to, to make uptime. I don't know if the June 30, it sounds like it is a, as a, is a hard deadline, um, but ultimately, surely, just like everyone had to improvise with the postponements of leagues, if there is no football played physically possible, uh, if it's not physically possible by then, we might have to improvise again. That's one way to make up the money. The other way is the transfer window. Let, let's 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 uh, make no mistake about it. This is another massive headache. The transfer window opens on June 10. You're talking then potentially about player movement at the climax of these particular domestic seasons. That is a potential disaster. Um, plenty of contracts expire on June 30. Plenty of the contracts expire, quote, at the end of the season, whenever that may be. So now you're talking personal livelihoods being fraught as well, let alone the fact that the actual. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Transfer window and the, and the transfer scouting process obviously now is, is fairly fraught given that the, you know travel and all that is, is restricted. Bridgie, what needs to happen to the transfer window? Because in a, in a, at a time of great uncertainty this adds only more uncertainty dave i think this is where we need to open this podcast up to get a hundred thousand different people on here mate to give to give their opinion and we can solve world football because it's um it's the million dollar question it's it'll be a million dollar, trillion dollar it's it's incredible to think mate and the hardest thing at this moment in time there is players contracts my contract normally ended at the end of may um, I signed contracts at the 1st of July and the contract ran um, for for the 11 months and you didn't get paid in that, that June window unless you were still contracted for the for the following season, that is. You know what I mean? But your contracts end on the end of May. Whether that's changed now, I'm not too sure in the Premier League. There's players going to be actually out of contract if the season goes on longer. That's the first thing that needs addressing. Have the players already signed for other clubs with the Bosman rule, like what Ramsey did when he went to Juventus? How does that one work out if the league goes on longer? Do they go to their new club and play for them or do they have to renege on that and stay with their current club? So there is so many underlying factors where lawyers are going to be absolutely loving this because they're going to be the ones, everybody else is losing money. Lawyers and people at the top end of the game are going to be making fortunes because they've got so many big decisions and things to look through with a fine comb. They're, like I said, they for me, if there is the transfer window uh, for players for next season, there's going to be a huge void to fill, a black hole of money that is going to need filling for the clubs. And I look at the money that was spent in the Premier League this season and last season. I mean, I think it's it's well over a billion 
um, pounds, if not uh, sorry, billion dollars, if not billion pounds, for the follow the seasons that have gone. Billion billion pounds in the summer transfer window alone. Alone in the Premier. So the the void that they were talking about having to fill if this goes ahead would be over a billion dollars. I think about one point two billion to one point five billion. They put a transfer ban on. Chelsea managed to do it. We saw some fantastic youth players come through in your team, Dave, this season that have had a fantastic year. The fans appreciated that. They were able to cope with Chelsea going through that because they knew what they had to do. So if you talk about putting a transfer ban on Premier all clubs, um, especially the Premier League clubs that are going to spend the money for one season and you can't buy any European or overseas around the world players, you can only buy from the lower divisions um, if you're going to spend money, you could fill that void within one year. And what you would get, you would get players at the lower divisions coming through quick, quicker um, if they were going to get bought. But you'd also see the youth team players having to put faith in some of them players and give them a go. Um, and I think that, that is one way of trying to to blanket over or fill that void that they, they're going to be left with after this coronavirus um, epidemic. Another way to be a curve-responsible spending, I suppose, at a time where um, there's this great uncertainty. Yeah, and it hasn't hurt Chelsea, David. It hasn't hurt Chelsea. I mean, the thing that's hurt Abramovich, your owner, is the um, economy. Personal, I'm, not, I'm not a slave to Abramovich. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's the economy that hit him hard. He, he's probably lost more money in the, the, the market shares and things that he owns around the world than he has with Chelsea Football Club since he's, since he's owned them. That is the... That is the, the magnitude of what is going on around the world. So I think the, the that's the only way I can see there's going to be some other other interesting ideas that everybody's going to come up with. But a transfer ban hasn't hurt Chelsea, and I don't think it would hurt the the football around the world at this moment in time. Yeah. Well, look, FIFA. FIFA. I was actually I thought um, the postponement of the Euros would create a bit of a loggerhead with FIFA, given it was going to be moved to the same time as the expanded Club World Cup in China in the middle of next year. FIFA immediately postponed that, which is a really good sign. You would think given how adaptable everyone has been, that uh, the transfer window is now up for grabs because you can't have the situation where it opens on June 10 um, and have players coming in and out when potentially you could be talking about championship deciders um, across the planet. So that's a very, very interesting one to follow as well. Um, What are players doing now? I mean, we know that you were training hard for your flight over to England for the Leeds Bayern Munich Legends match and and we jest, but, you know, you were preparing for that. That's been cancelled. You've had to deal with that disappointment. Um, What's it like for players now? We've seen a bit of social media, but ultimately they're not with their peers. Most clubs have taken time off in the Premier League. Some will be resuming or are penciled to resume, but like Arsenal obviously aren't and so on. So um, take us into the headspace of a player right now. And in a, in, a, in a funny old way, you're kind of there uh, in, in a little way right now as well. Yeah, and I mean, I've since I've been told, obviously I can't travel or the game won't be on for the legends. I've kind of let myself go a little bit, Dave. I've put on a couple of <laughs> kilos. It was I was a bit upset at the... The way it unfolded, you know, and um, I thought, you know, I've been training really hard for two months and I was upset when it got called off, obviously. Um, but obviously, with what's going on around the world, I totally understand. But my mindset changed. I had a, I had an incentive and a, a target to go for. And I was, you know, every day I was ticking things off, whether that was a walk, a run, um, or going on the spin bike, looking after the, the diet and, and trying to stay off the, the alcohol and that's taken away from you. So I've lost my mindset, and it's it's incredible. to. I'm trying to work out now that what the players are going through. We've seen some fantastic things 
on social media, you've got to keep your humor in your life at these moments in time and you've got to keep active because if you go in the house and you start getting um, depressed and you let the mental drive of being stuck indoors or not socializing, it's going to affect a lot of people around the world. And I think we'll come on to that with what's going on in Australia with the, um, the FFA ban on football in this country. But what the players are going through, we've seen some great things. Um, I've seen Cesc Fabregas on his balcony reenacting a moment out of the um, Eddie Murphy movie, Coming to America. I've seen James Milner, who obviously I knew from Leeds United. He was known as the most boring man. He's doing some incredible, incredibly funny tweets, counting English um, Yorkshire tea bags, playing up to the fact that he's boring James Milner. This morning, getting a, a ruler out and cutting his grass with his, a pair of scissors. Um, and then you've seen Oxley Chamberlain doing dancing with his partner. So you've seen people trying to entertain themselves and keep the fans' engagement that way. It's been brilliant. But also we've seen Ramos and William doing social media tweets on what they are doing. They're keeping themselves active. And it's all good and well, Dave, when you are Sergio Ramos and you take your kids into your gymnasium, which is part of your house. It looks fantastic. But reality, we all can't do that. Um, so I think the, the, the way that people have got to look at it, and especially the younger generation, um, the mindset, you must try and keep yourself active and keep yourself positive because um, it, it, it could spiral out. We might see a lot of mental health issues after the coronavirus um, subsides because of what we've had to go through. We might see a flip side of that where everybody starts engaging again and the world becomes a much better place because we've yeah. all had to help each other out. So, again, it's uncertain terms, but the players will be focused, Dave. They've, as long as they have an incentive of knowing that they are coming back this season, and they've got a chance of finishing the season. They will be doing everything they can behind closed doors. Um, the top end clubs would have given them their, you know, their strength and conditioning coaches would have given them programs to fulfil the obligations to get them through, whether that's on bikes or treadmills. And the players will just generally want to keep a touch on the ball. If, however, they find out the season isn't going to start again then that's when we might have problems because you're behind closed doors of your family. Everybody will just be eating and, and drinking and the mindset goes. So, um, yeah, watch this space. But it's it's been interesting to see how everybody is handling it on social media. Yeah, we jest, but these are human human problems. On the flip side, there's players like Harry Kane um, who all of a sudden have the chance to get fit again. So yeah. for every cloud, there is a silver lining. Um, but you mentioned Australia and while the A-League is continuing behind closed doors, which I know has surprised a lot of people and um, myself included, um, grassroots all the way through the FFA Cup has now been postponed. It's it's inevitable because we have to we have to protect each other, but the, the flow-on effects that you say, uh, particularly in our society, um, are, are quite interesting. But are you surprised the A-League is still going? Yeah, I'm very surprised. I am. I am. There's, you know, there's big decisions need to be made, and I'm I'm very surprised that the A League is going on behind closed doors because it's not like the season needs to be finished at a certain point. Because they've, they, you know, we might see things change since the announcement of UEFA, FIFA, and the you know the the Cup of America. We might see things change in the next week because decisions are being made on an hour to hour basis or a day to day um, in all 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 walks of life. But I'm very surprised that they have been allowed to to carry on or they've come up with that decision. I mean, if there's anybody at the moment, Dave, that I would want to be running our game and making decisions, it is James Johnson. I've got to, I've got to clarify that and reiterate that the game is in a in a great position when he is there because he's he is very very friendly with people at FIFA. He's worked there for numerous years. He knows the biggest governing 
bodies in the world. So he will have his finger on the pulse to know exactly what is going on around the world and what decisions need to be made and why they need to be made. And he he will be able to bounce ideas off them and also ask questions as, oh, what are you guys doing? It's easy access for him. So I am I'm delighted. Whether he's delighted at this moment in time that he is coming to the job and he's got, you know, he, <clears throat> he had to sort the game out in our country first and foremost. And then this has just blindsided him and everybody else in the world. So it's been another issue to deal with. Um, but again, I, I can't reiterate how much I'm, I, I think he can sort the game out. And with that decision that was made to scrap all all football and all junior football, that, that wouldn't have been taken lightly. That is a, a big call. And we've got to, like I say, we've never been in this situation before. We've got to understand and respect the decision. And when the time is right, we can bounce back and get kids playing again. And there's a, and like with anything, with the collateral damage, you've got parents that have paid retro fees and councils that need to be paid for their ground hire and canteens that are meant to be run and all that type of stuff. So we always have to band it together because everyone's feeling a cost and a toll. Um, yeah. And I mean, the, 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 the thing that we've been, well, I'm with the Lampton Jaffa's football club in the um, Newcastle MPL. Luke Wilkshire, you know, is down at Wollongong in the uh, Sydney MPL. We've all been going through that process, the pre-season, getting everything in place. And it's like you say, you're, the, the, the teams, you rely on gate receipts, the sponsors, the regio fees and things like that. And it's all just being put on hold at this moment in time. And, you know, people are going to need money over the next next year. There's no doubt about it that we're going to be hit economically in this country. The regio fees, if people are going to ask for that back, I'm sure something will be done about that. But it doesn't mean that this season is not going to go ahead or kids aren't going to get to play football. So I think people just need to hold tight, see what's going to go on. There's there's bigger things at stake here because I, I'm, I'm, I've been here 10 years now, Dave. I The hardest thing for me, my family being here, maybe wife and me two kids, is not seeing our grandparents and not seeing you know your family on a regular basis. And I know it's a big culture over here because you've you know you've got so many different cultures greeks italians um in australian you know, culture is every- get, getting everybody together you know i we we really miss seeing our family so we try to get back to the uk or get family over here as many times as we can i've got to say this is the only time that me and the family have looked at you and gone you know what it is thank god we don't have to see our grandparents because the last thing i would want to do is contract coronavirus not knowing i had it and give it to one of them because they are the vulnerable at this time moment in time mate and i really feel for everybody that is based in australia that has and needs to see their family and does see their family because you're going to have to put restraints on that so it's the only time that we have scratched our heads and gone do you know what it is maybe this is for the 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 benefit so my mom's in isolation and she's staying indoors over in the, in the uk uh, and you know if the kids were over there they'd want to be going seeing grandma and I, it would be hard to say to them don't go and see her at this moment in time so you know i think people have got to really take note of what is going to happen and not be so blase about it because it is a it is a killing disease um that is going around for the for the elderly well said, Bridgie. Well said indeed. Um, just to finish off, we'll finish off with a couple more uh, bites. And one of them, just going back to the um, – this, I guess, goes back to the what you're talking about, the getting people together and, and the social role of football. Uh, Mark Schwarzer on the Two Sharp Reds mentioned that um, even if Liverpool won the league behind closed doors and Virgil van Dijk has sort of said how weird that would be after all these years of waiting, the whole point of it all is to get – 
the city together, get people together, get all the fans together to celebrate. But then you've got the massive problem that what's the first thing you do after winning a title is you have a street parade. You have the bus come through, the, you have everyone together. And then you've got 100,000 people together um, just let's say weeks after um, we've spent all this time avoiding it, trying to do it. We look at what UEFA want to do in terms of getting mini tournaments in the Champions League. That's all well and good. But then are you saying that um, Turkey and Poland, Istanbul and Gdansk, the two cities that are set to host the Europa League and the Champions League final, are going to welcome perhaps eight teams from foreign cities into their uh, into their borders and allow travel from countries that might require quarantine? Um I've thrown a fair bit of smoke out there, but I guess what I'm trying to say is as much as we think we've got some clarity, there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge still. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, listen to that topic that you've mentioned on Swartz's podcast there. It was was very interesting because it made me think and go back to my time. I had three promotions with Sunderland as champions. And honestly, after one promotion and the going through the city on the top of the bus, there's only one thing you do before you get on the bus, and that is crack open a can of beer or spray a bottle of champagne, mate, because the, you know, the jubilation. You go around the city, the open-top bus, people hanging out their windows, there's the crowds, and you're talking 100,000 people. Um, I think Liverpool would probably get a million on the streets, mate, because they've waited so long for, for this. If the Boris Johnson didn't put a lockdown law in place before then, you know, the public would be out and would be they would be celebrating and, and doing it because you can't self-isolate when Liverpool have won the title because fans have waited so long and they would go out and celebrate. And I'm saying I'm saying that in jest, but I'm saying it with a, a lot of a lot of honesty. So again, if they if that is the decision there's gonna that Liverpool are given the title, there's gonna be a lot of guidelines and laws are gonna have to be put down and it, it still wouldn't feel satisfactory for the players, I don't think. And the fans, they might have to wait to do their parades. Once everything has settled down, does it have the same effect? I don't think it does. So, again, Dave, it's decisions that have got to be made at the top. They've got to be made by um, people that I'm saying understand. Nobody's been in this situation. like. So, um, yeah, it was interesting listening to Swartis, but it, it took me back to my time when I was going through the cities and just thinking, my word, the, the amount of people that did come out on them occasions is, is frightening. And to think that the situation we're in, that that could that could happen and develop. Um, that I don't think we could. We, you could stop the fans unless it was a lockdown. Yeah, Let, let's hope. Let's hope we get to that point one day. But I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do feel sorry for Liverpool fans because you wait for this moment your whole life, and um, that's what you're building towards. And it's 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 all very weird when they were so close, just one or two games away from clinching it and having this moment. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do I do sympathise with all of the Liverpool fans again, out there. Again, Dave, you, you say there are a few games away from it. I, I don't think anybody would begrudge them if we got to, the, to, like you say, May, June, July, to get them two games behind closed doors and just so we can actually say officially that Liverpool are the, the champions. Nobody can catch them. Then that then that goes away. That that side of the game goes away. Then you've got to concentrate on the relegation and what goes on there with the promotions. But nobody could stop Liverpool from that. And I think Liverpool would would love to actually say, let's get three games done and get it out the way, so we can say on that that trophy that title doesn't have a hashtag or a highlight next to it saying unofficial. Get rid of the asterisks. Get rid of the asterisks. For the asterisks. <laughs> yeah, the asterisks Premier League of 2019-20. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Leeds United to have the champions asterisk 
on the championship. Don't 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 worry about that. <laughs> oh, I'll leave Aston Villa fans and uh, the teams that get promoted to, to, uh, relegated to come take it up with you afterwards. Um, hey, you must look on on a lighter note to end off with. You must have spent some time on buses or in planes or in dressing rooms, uh, waiting for weather to pass or waiting for time to pass during your career. Not that you would have spent two months doing it, but what's what's your tip for some of the players, some of the best ways to keep entertained or some of the funniest stories you've got from sheer and utter boredom from your time with the lads through the through the years? Well, sheer and utter boredom, I mean, we we were we had a very young team at Leeds United, Dave, so we the, the thing that we used to do, me and Harry Kuehl were absolutely addicted to um, computer games. And playing on Pro Evolution Soccer, we weren't FIFA fans back then. We we loved the Pro Evo. We also loved the WWF wrestling game where you had to grab the joystick when you got in a grapple, and you would we would wear a sock in our hand and grab that, you know, get the controller so you could you could press the buttons as quick as you can to win the grapple. Um, and you know, it, we, I'll never forget. I can't think what the computer was, but it might have been the the Nintendo or the Super NES came out where there was actually four controllers, so we could have a tag team game. So it was me, Darren Huckaby. Michael Dubry and Harry Kuehl used to play WWF wrestling inside the hotels, um, but on the computer. And then because you were young, you'd get carried away and then you would turn into a wrestling match in the bloody bedroom. So it was, it's just all the things that you used to do. I mean, the, the other funny one we did, um, we used to play a game called Join the Crew. The, this one happened in Russia. We, we got isolated for a couple of days due to the snow. We were in Russia and there was a knock on my door. And we'd had a few instances on the, the first night we were there where the Russian owner of the other club, or I'm, I'm saying, the, the, just the antics they got up to, you would get knocked up at 1am in the morning for room service, 2am the fire alarms would go off, 3am there would be another room service delivery. So they did all these things to keep you awake. Um, anyway, after being um, the snow game got snowed off, we had to wait a day or two. I can't think what game it was. And... We there was a game called Join the Crew, so I knocked on my door. Thought, oh, here we go again. There's another room service delivery, and I went to look out of the um, the spy hole, and there was a finger over it. And I thought, what the hell is this? So I opened the door, and sure enough, there was four lads, four of my teammates. I couldn't see who they were because they'd actually put the pillowcases over their heads and cut out eye sockets and um, mouth sockets, and they rushed me into the bedroom and they started beating hell out of me and, you know, torturing me and saying, join the crew, say, join the crew. You didn't want to join the crew straight away because you wanted to see how much abuse you could take. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but it was all fun. So then you joined the crew and then I was like, what happens now? They said, right, cut, cut two holes out your eye, um, cut two eye holes out your pillowcase. We're going to go next door and we'll get, we'll get um, Harry. So then you'd go and you'd knock on Harry's door. So I'll never forget... It was so funny. By the end of, we got the end of the corridor and there was a physio called Dave Swift and he was quite a, a chilled out guy, didn't really get involved in the banter and he was the last one. Bearing in mind, there's 16 players in the corridor, all with pillowcases on their heads with their eye holes cut out, waiting for the physio to open the door so we could all kick crap out of them. <laughs> so the poor guy got ransacked in his room. We destroyed, destroyed his room. We give him a good hiding with a few digs to the legs and whatnot. <laughs> the next day he complained to David O'Leary. He made a complaint. And there were there was a, a the snow had started melting on the training ground, so there's a few puddles on the training paddock where we were. So David O'Leary made sure he stood Dave Swift right next to the puddle and he told all the lads, he said, Listen, I don't like people that tell tales or grass the players up. That was all just good banter. You haven't heard them. He said, When I start when I start to tell them off, make sure you all just throw them in that puddle. <laughs> 
backfired. Oh, the gaffer's got you back. So the gaffer's got our back. He was in on it. So when when Swifty started saying, you know, I'm not very happy with this, everybody just grabbed him and, and jumped him and put him in this puddle. Well, uh, you know, it's the the man changed instantly. We thought he's gonna he's gonna leave the club. He's gonna get. And he actually just started laughing and said, "You can't win with you bastards, can you?" <laughs> We're like, "Do you join the crew now?" He went, "Yeah, I joined the crew." <laughs> Outstanding. Hey, uh, I'm not sure that's the type of banter the guys we're having now all in isolation. Uh, probably more along the lines of what Leighton Orient did when they've created a FIFA uh, e-game tournament. I tell you, they're the winners from this is, is e-gaming and, and they've invited all representatives from all clubs across England to join a 20-team a FIFA e-FIFA tournament. So I think that's where we're going over the next couple of months um, and there'll be a fair bit of that played and you might even see um, – what do they, they say? Art imitate reality a little bit there and almost overtake it. Well, uh, Dave, that's exactly, exactly what I was saying about the computer games that we played on the um, with the Leeds lads. If we had the internet access and were able to do that, I'm sure we wouldn't have even left our bedrooms. We would have just played against each other from our rooms. So um, that's, the, that's the world we live in now. Oh, dear. Well, that's the world we live in now, and hopefully it gets as complicated as playing FIFA on, on computers, and, and that's where we can leave it, and things simplify themselves. I'm not sure they will, but uh, for now, we should have to have a laugh about it, because if you don't laugh, you cry. So that's what we've got to do, um, and and try and um, find some entertainment during these times where everything that we're used to is not there anymore. So, Bridgie, thank you very much for your time. No, thank you, Dave. I really appreciate it, mate. It's It's... It's good because I've had a few people online um, asking. I didn't think they would be, but they've been asking when's the, the gaming pod coming back with you and Dave Weiner. So I was thinking um, that was a, a bit of an honour, you know, that people are wanting to listen to this. So hopefully it's not a, a sleeping tablet for them and they do enjoy hearing a little bit of a bit of banter. But this, this has been a bit more of a serious one because of what is going on in the world. So I wish everybody all the best out there that's listening. Um, stay strong, do everything you can to help the help whatever is going on out there in this world. We will get there. Stay safe and, um, you know, we, we will get back to what we love and that, that is the, the football that is, is, you know, giving me so much joy in life. Yeah, he 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 he. Well said, Bridgie. I mean, we, we apologise if we don't know how this will turn out in terms of audio and, and and whatnot. But I'm sure you can appreciate that it is a time for a bit of an experimentation and adapting to different um, working environments. And we hope we're back to normal soon. We don't know. Um, but we'll just invite you on a conference call with Bridgie and I next time if it doesn't work. Who knows? We'll, we'll try. We'll figure something out for everyone out there. Um, but um, yeah, look, there's not a lot going on in the world of football after this. We'll see whether we don't know whether we're back next week. We, we will let you all know on social media. Um, but yeah, thanks again. Bridgie and we'll talk soon take care Dave and to everyone out there as ever I know I'm going to say until the next Gag and Pod enjoy your football can't say that this time but until the next Gag and Pod stay safe and all the best